yes. Oh, yes. The book of Jonah, chapter 2. And verse 1. These words you find there. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Amen. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Those of you who are here and have been here since the beginning of the year, you know that we've been in this series about the children of Israel and their rebellion against God and what happens to you if you don't listen to what God says. In this series, my brothers and my sisters, one thing that we have learned is that if you don't listen to God, God has a way of setting you in your place. One thing that we have learned is God ain't playing with you. And he has a way of carrying out his divine will. And that's where we find ourselves. And we've been talking about the children of Israel. We talked about God's children who have found themselves in a strange place in a foreign land called Babylon all because they would not obey God. Found themselves in a strange place because of their disobedience. The story of the prophet Jonah actually tells this whole story in a nutshell. I always wondered how Jonah fit. How, did, how, Jonah, how does prophet Jonah fit in that? He's you talking about the people carried away in the Babylon and Jonah right in the midst of all that. But it has just occurred to me that Jonah actually tells this whole story in a nutshell. God's purpose for Israel, God's purpose for his chosen people was that the whole world would come to get to know who he was through them. That, that as they his chosen people, as they would spread his message throughout every nation. That's what God's plan was for them, to spread him all over the world. But when we find them, they are placed in bondage because they rebelled against God's plan. Check the prophet Jonah, and you will find that the prophet Jonah is a microcosm of this whole story. Probably study Jonah and you'll find that Jonah is probably the most successful and noted revival preacher in the Old Testament. Study Jonah 
And you'll find out that here is a preacher who preached in a city one night and 600,000 folk turned their lives around. Here is a man who preached a revival in a city and the whole city turned to God. Now, I've done a lot of revivals. <laughs> I enjoy doing revivals. But I've never had that kind of success in revival. But in spite of the great statistics, you got to look at Jonah's personal life. Jonah's life was a mass of contradiction. Look at him, look at him. Here is a prophet of God who all of us know best. All of us know him best for his disobedience to God. You talk about Jonah, nobody talks about Jonah and uh, what a great preacher he was. First thing you say is, oh, that's the one that ran. <laughs> we know him best by his disobedience to God. He is a preacher whose whole life had been threatened. God had to threaten his life before he would carry out his command to preach. He is a preacher who got angry because he was successful. He was a mess. He was a mess. Everybody, my brothers and sisters, everybody, you talk to anybody, whether they read the Bible or not, most folk can rally with you the story of Jonah, and they tell you about how he disobeyed God and how he was swallowed up by a big fish. But I want to tell you this morning, that's on the surface. That's just the surface of it. If you study the book, you'll see that this teaches so much more than a man getting swallowed by a fish. It's not only a story about a messed up preacher and a big fish. You read it. This book teaches us something about God's mercy. For here, God wanted to save an evil city. Study it, study it, and you find that it teaches something about the sovereignty of God. You learn in this story that God can rule the storms. God rules the land and sea and everything on land and everything in the sea. Read this story, and it teaches something about God's patience and God's protection. But the thing that I want to point out today is something that we overlook. I want to look at this first line. I want, I want you, we're going to learn something about prayer here. This prayer that Jonah prayed. I, I want us to look at this prayer that Jonah prayed from the belly of a big fish. There's a city that God wants to save. And that is a preacher that God wants to use to save the city. And this is where the story begins. God wants Jonah to go to this city and according to the word of God, the prophet is disobedient to God. Makes up his own mind that he's not going to do it. He's disobedient to God and, and because of his disobedience, finds himself on a ship 
trying to get away from God. Now, I know you know all of this. I, I'm going to get to the meat in a minute. He's on a ship trying to get away from him, and because he's on a ship trying to get away from God, let's just go on and skip over all that. He finds himself swallowed up, swallowed by a big fish, all because he's trying not to do what God says. Are y'all hearing me? So when we come to this text, we find our character in the belly of a big fish. But let me point out something to you. Let me point out in verse 17, and if you missed verse 17 of, uh, of chapter, uh, 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 if you missed uh, verse 17, you're going to miss the story. I want you to notice there that 17 says that God prepared this fish. I want to make sure. 17, chapter 1, verse 17. You got to get that. If you miss that, you're going to miss the whole thing. God prepared this fish. In other words, this wasn't just a fish that happened to be coming along and get lucky that day. It wasn't, it wasn't just a fish that, that just happened to be there looking for something to eat and, and all at once something. Is there. It wasn't just any fish. God prepared. You need to get this because if you don't get it, you're going to miss the sermon. God prepared this fish. And the reason why you know God prepared the fish is because on a normal day, anything that goes into a fish's belly has got about an hour before the enzymes begin to digest. And are y'all hearing me? Yeah, anything, a fish can digest anything in just a little while. But when we come to the text, he's been in the belly of a fish three days. And he hadn't even digested. Y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, God can give a big fish indigestion. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he got, God prepared the fish. And this, I'm trying to show you that this ain't just any fish. God prepared this fish, and he's been in there now for a while, for three days, still not been digested. According to chapter 1, 17, he's been in this fish, he's been in this fish, and he has not, he, he has not been digested, but here's another miracle. He's still conscious. See, we, sometimes we, we take little, we read that like that ain't nothing. That's something. He's been in a fish's belly for three days, and he is still got consciousness. The reason why I know he's conscious is because the text, chapter 2, starts out by saying, then Jonah prayed. <laughs> you got to be conscious. <laughs> yeah, two, yeah, yeah. The Bible starts out, chapter 2, by saying, then Jonah prayed. Now, truth of the matter is, this is the third day. I don't know what took him three days. <laughs> Been in there three days, and then it says, then, Jonah, are y'all hearing this? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe, I just believe that if that had been me, <laughs> I don't think it would have taken me three days to, to say something. Are y'all hearing me? I, but after three days, it says, then Jonah 
Praise something wrong with that. And I'm almost convinced. I'm, I'm almost convinced. When I read Jonah, read the book of Jonah, I'm almost convinced that that, yeah, that, 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 that was something sort of flawed about Jonah's prayer life anyway. When I, when I read it, I read the whole book, read it sometime. I just believe that something, first of all, he's running because he didn't pray. Second thing, he's on a boat in a storm. A ship in a storm. And the folk woke him up and asked him to pray. And rather than pray, he said, throw me off the sh-. Are y'all hearing me? Something wrong with that. Am I the only one up in here? I've been on a cruise ship and it got cloudy. <laughs> well, the big me to pray. <laughs> oh, I, I, you ought to heard that prayer. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But he is in a storm and folk asking him to pray. And rather than pray, he'd rather be thrown over. Something wrong with his prayer life. Something, something wrong. See, my brothers and sisters, you can write this down, write this down. Prayer ought to be our first response and not our last resort. Just said something. Prayer ought to be our first response and not our last resort. Prayer, my brothers and sisters, is always in order. See, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe he was out there, he was convinced, maybe he realized he had messed up with God, and the devil had convinced him that it was too late to pray. Somebody say, the devil is a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is never too late to call on God, prayer is always in order. I wonder if I have a witness here that no matter how or what, or how have bad you have messed up, you can't mess up so bad that you can't go to God. Wonder if I got a witness up in here. You ain't messed up so bad that you can't talk to God about it. You may be off track, but you can't get so far off track that you can't pray. Your friends and your family may not want to hear nothing you got to say. You may have folk around you that don't want to hear anything about anything that you got to say. But I'm always telling you that God is just waiting on you. Waiting on you and he'll hear your call. And not only will he hear, he will answer. He'll answer when you call. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I don't mind sharing with you that, that some of my best prayers some of my best conversations with the Lord has been from the belly of my own created hell. I ain't talking about, I'm talking about my best prayers now. See, I, I ain't talking about the prayers that you write down and recite, you know, in public in church. You got that nice little praise. I ain't talking about that prayer. I'm talking about your best prayer. I wonder if I got a witness in how you, you want to hear a joker pray. You want to hear somebody show enough pray. You put them at the belly of hell. You put them, are y'all hearing me? Let them go through some stuff. That's when you're here. I was a telephone repairman. One day, this man re- repairing telephone in a pastor's study. 
And he's in there working on the telephone, and these three pastors were in the study. They were talking while he was working, and they were talking about prayer. And they were talking about, they were having an argument about the proper way to pray, and they were talking about one says that when you pray, the proper way to do it is to fold your hands before you and uh, pray. And uh, the other one's saying, well, I, I, you know, that's okay, but I just believe that a proper prayer, you need to humble yourself, get out on your knees, and you need to be on your knees when you're talking to God. And the other says, well, you know, no, I, I don't know. I, I just sort of believe that if you really want to go before God, you ought to lay flat on your face and pray. And so the, the guy was fixing the telephone. He just stopped. He, he had all he could take. He says, I, he says, I know y'all ain't talking to me. I know I ain't got nothing to do with y'all talking about. He said, but let me tell y'all something. My best prayer has been hanging by my ankles from a telephone line. 40 feet up in the air. Are y'all hearing me? I wasn't laying down. I didn't have my hands fixed. I was dangling from a wire. That was my best. Are y'all hearing me? And my brothers and my sisters, you want to hear your best prayer. One of I got a witness here. Yeah, you can show enough talk to the Lord. Yeah, you ain't got to be fishing for words and trying to find the right words. I love that kind of prayer. I love that kind of prayer where you're not trying to find the right word. You're not trying to impress God. You get right to the point. See, when you're dangling from your heels on a pole line, you ain't trying to sound the right word. You ain't trying to say the right thing. You, you just saying what you need. Are y'all hearing me? Peter was on the water one day, and Peter started going down. Peter didn't have time to say, Lord, here we are once more and again. He didn't have time. Peter said, Lord, help. <laughs> so here's Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. It took him three days, but thank God he prayed. He prayed, he prayed, but don't miss this. Read it right out of the book. He prayed to the Lord, his God. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Here's why that's important. He was in the midst of disobedience, but the Lord was still his God. I just said something right there. He was in the midst of disobedience, but the Lord was still his God. He had messed up royally. But the Lord was still his God. But as we look at his prayer, as we examine his prayer, the thing that sticks out to me is not so much what he prayed, but what he doesn't pray. You read this prayer when you get home. Read this prayer. I want you to check this prayer out. In this prayer, there is not one word of petition. In other words, he didn't ask God for nothing. You know, I believe if I was in the belly of a big fish under the ocean, I could think something, I could think of something to ask God for. <laughs> but he is three days under the water in the belly of a fish, and he didn't ask God for anything. You know how we are. Get me out, Jesus. Get me out today. You, you know how we are. Didn't ask God. For anything. Here is one of the worst situations imaginable, but he did not ask the Lord for anything. Look at Jonah's prayer. 
verse 2 through 6. He talks to God about his situation. He's real with God about the graveness of his condition. He says, God, I've been cast into the deep sea. I'm beneath the waves, the water, the waves are passing over me. He's being real with God. If you want God to move, you need to be real with God. Y'all hear me? It's amazing how we live such phony lives and put on so many fronts for other folk that we go before God trying to carry that same thing. We go before God and think we can't even be real with God. I thank God that when I go to him, y'all hear me? When I, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I go to him, I don't need to come up and think he knows anyway. So he's telling God, he's telling God. Verse 6, he describes himself as, The way he sees himself, he says, I'm in a grave. I'm in a grave. Go down to verse 6. He says, yet you have brought up my life. In other words, he says, yet. Look at this. As bad as it is, as terrible as saying, look, yet you have spared my life. Oh, Lord, my God, you have spared my life. Look at Jonah. In this terrible situation, Thanking God that things are as well as they are. I'm saying something here. I'm telling you something. My brothers and sisters, you need to learn how to thank God that things are as well. Are y'all hearing me? Old folk used to do that. They used to do that. You ask them how they're doing. And say, I just thank God that things are as well as they are. Look at verse 8. He says, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. Here is a man in the belly of a big fish under the water talking about what he's going to do for God. That's faith right there. <laughs> talking about what he's going to sacrifice to God, giving thanksgiving to God. Brothers and sisters, it's good to come to a point where you realize that as bad as things are, they could be worse. Yeah, that, that, I, I just helped somebody right there. You ought to come to a point where you realize, don't deny the fact that it's bad, but just know that it could be worse. I believe that's what the songwriter was saying when he wrote the song that says, I've had some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days and some lonely nights, but when I look around, and I really think things over. Yeah, and when I come to my senses, I realize that my good days outweigh my bad days. And then I just shut up. I will not com- complain. He, he ends his prayer. Ends his prayer by rededicating himself to get it right. Listen at him. He ends the prayer by saying, I will lift my voice in thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. I will keep every promise I've Look, Listen at this man. That's faith. You're in the belly of a fish and you're making promises to God, telling him what you're going to do. You got some faith. You know that God is working it out. That's two things we learn. Two things we learn. Two things we learn. One thing we learn from this text and from the scripture. We learn that we ought to pray first. If Jonah had prayed when God called him, 
If he had prayed when God gave him that assignment, he could have saved himself a whole lot of trouble. Are y'all hearing me? If from the very beginning when God gave him assignment that he did not want to do, if he had dropped down on his knees and said, God, I don't, I, I don't like them folks. Yeah. If he had dropped down on his knees right then and said, God, you know how I feel about them folk. You know I can't do this on my own, but if you will go with me. If he had just prayed first instead of running. So he learned first that, 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 that he should have prayed first. The next thing we learn from this is that God can heal you no matter where you call him from. Somebody ought to say amen. God can hear you no matter where you call him from. Now that, my brothers and sisters, that's the book of the story. God gave a command. Jonah disobeyed. God gets his attention and Jonah prays. That's the book of the story. But I need to say a word. I, I can't sit down right now. That would be malpractice. Before I sit down, I got to say a word about deliverance. Got to say, I can't, can't just sit down. That's the story. But I got to say something about deliverance before I, before I sit down. You see, once Jonah came to himself get this now once he came to himself once he changed his heart and changed his mind chapter 2 and verse 10 says that the Lord spoke to that fish now we can go back to verse 17 that fish that he prepared are y'all hearing this God spoke to that fish that he had prepared. God spoke to that that had Jonah bound. Y'all ain't hearing me. God spoke to that that had Jonah tied up. Spoke to that that he had prepared. Are y'all hearing me? And when he had gotten his attention after Jonah prayed, God spoke to that situation. God spoke to that fish, says, mission accomplished. Let him go. <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me? Yo, after he got his attention, after he prayed, after he acknowledged God, God says, spit him out. And this ain't got nothing to do with nothing, but I like God's style. He could have he told him to spit him out out there in the middle of the ocean, but he didn't. He, he, he took him to the beach. <laughs> Y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't you tell me God doesn't care. Right. <laughs> yeah, took him to the beach and spit him out on dry land. Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. Let, let, yeah, yeah, let me carry you back to remind you that this was not an ordinary fish. This was a fish, a tailor-made fish that God made for that specific purpose. And I'll, I'll point this out to you. The fish was never designed to kill Jonah. It was designed to get Jonah's attention. I'm trying to help somebody up in here. 
The fish was never meant. It was never designed to kill him. It was designed to get his attention. And once the fish accomplished what God designed it to do, then God spoke to the fish and said, let him go. That's enough. Spit him. Y'all ain't hearing me up in here. I'm preaching to somebody. I'm preaching to somebody right now who you're sitting there in the pew wondering, Lord, how long? How long am I going to have to keep wrestling with this? How, how long am I going to have to keep going through this? Lord, how long am I going to have to carry this? God told me to tell somebody right now, you're wondering how long, but I come to tell you, my brothers uh, and my sisters, uh, God didn't design that thing to kill you. It ain't going to kill you. God is trying to get you. Y'all ain't hearing me. That burden you're carrying right now, that heavy load you're carrying right now, God didn't mean for that to kill you. It ain't going to kill you. God is trying to get your attention. Told me to tell you that that trouble, that tailor-made trouble, and it is tailor-made. That tailor-made trouble that you're in right now, that tailor-made situation that you're in right now, it ain't designed to kill you. It's designed to get your attention. It's designed to get you back to talking to God. And when you finally come to your senses, when you finally come to your senses and get back on speaking terms with God, God will speak to that that's got you bound. Are y'all hearing me? He did it one time. He'll do it again. Yeah, God will speak to that that's got you tied up this morning. And he will speak to it and say, mission accomplished. Spit him out. Spit out. That's the sermon. That's the sermon. That's the sermon. Because I'm a gospel preacher. Can't close right there. I at least got a touch on chapter 3. This is the gospel part. Got to at least touch chapter 3. That's the story. That's, that's the whole story in a nutshell. But I got to at least chapter, touch on chapter 3. Chapter 3 starts out by saying, And the word of God came to Jonah again. <laughs> see, I'm a person. So I get happy over the word again. Whenever I see the word in the Bible again, I, I get happy. You don't get happy because you ain't me, but I get happy. Let me tell you why I get happy. I get happy because I didn't get it right the first time. So whenever I see the word again, I, I get happy. Verse chapter 3 starts out by saying, and the word of God came to Jonah a second time. Are y'all hearing me? And, and, and the, the, now notice this, it didn't change. He said the same thing he said the first time. Go to Nineveh. Y'all hear me? I, I, I wonder, my brothers and sisters, without going any further than that, I want you to know that God is a God of a second chance. But even greater than that, he's God of another chance. Oh, my brothers and sisters, if, it was, if I only had two chances, I'd blown them. But he's a God who always wants to give you another chance. I come by to tell somebody up in here that God still wants to use you. After you have messed up, 
after you've done everything, after you have disobeyed, yeah, there you are standing in his presence, still smelling fishy, but God still wants to use you. God still wants to, are y'all hearing me? God always ready to give us another chance. Let me prove it to you. God put Adam in the garden. Put him in the garden and they messed up in the garden. But I thank God. Uh, yeah, yeah, even though they messed up and all of us are born in sin, shaped in iniquity, thank God for another chance. Are y'all hearing me? He gave him another chance for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life. He came, he died, buried in a boring tomb, but early Sunday morning got up he's gone of another chance sitting here this morning wrestling and wondering how much longer you're going to be in this tight place how much longer do I have to deal with this the good news today is it ain't going to kill you God didn't design it to kill you designed to get your attention if he can just get your attention, if he can just get your attention, he'll speak to that thing that he created. <laughs> the devil ain't doing everything. Sometimes God creates stuff. He'll speak to that that he created and say, spit him out. He got it now. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, you can release that today. If you're here this morning, you carrying that burden, you... You need to have a relationship with God, a relationship that he can speak to your circumstances, that he can speak to your situations, and have you released here today. Thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. If you're here today unsaved, let me invite you to come. If you're already saved and don't have a church covering, don't have a church family, you need that. You need that. Once you come, somebody ought to be moving.